What's up, dancers and dance lovers? This is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. I'm Taylor Bradley. And I'm Alex Yankovich. We host an open conversation about the dance entertainment industry, striving to educate and inspire. Brought to you by Inside Dance Magazine. Find us on social media at Inside Dance Podcast. Or write to us at InsideDancePodcast at gmail.com. Let's Let's take take it from from the the top. top. Yay. Okay. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Alex. <laughs> hey Taylor. Hey Alex, who's less than two feet away from me. I know this is so exciting, but this is like always so weird because we're so used to our routine. I know. I'm <laughs> I like, like I'm like I'm staring at the charcuterie board. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> what do we talk about this week? <laughs> let's paint the picture. So Alex is in town uh, in beautiful Las Vegas, um, setting some choreography on a studio. So naturally, any chance that uh, we have to be together in person i'm like we're doing it right now so yeah um you are my boss we're in my house there's a charcuterie board featuring pretzels cheeses grapes um really good prosciutto that's not made into a rose i (laughs) anyway um here we are that's what's going on and we're thrilled that you're with us now why are you with us because we have a really great episode in store for you yeah our guest is freaking awesome he is a rock star we are joined by uh, the incredible Joshua Blake Carter, who, as a fellow Georgian boy, I think I always harp on that. If I'm like, you're from Georgia, I'm like, cool, let's talk about Georgia. Community. But, yeah, community. Uh, no, a fellow alumni, alumnus of the University of Arizona. He was a dancer for Giordano. Dance Chicago went on to later direct their second company, G2. And it's just a really funny guy. So stick around for his interview later. But before that, what should we talk about? I know what I want to talk about. Um, which is... This whole Super Bowl fiasco. Yeah. Let's chat about that because I think it's really interesting, um, especially kind of seeing the evolution of dancers in the Super Bowl. Um, I feel like this has been like a slow trickle down. We finally got to the point of like, hey, you should do it for free. So to fill you guys in, Taja Riley, a dancer in L.A., recently brought to light the kind of... crazy situation that the Super Bowl producers are going through agencies in LA and asking for people to donate their time and dance for free. Now, I know there's been kind of some back and forth. Of course, there's several sides to every story. Um, There's some people that are outraged that major agencies would even entertain, pun intended, the idea of sending that out to their talent. But there's also other sources that are saying oh, that was just for the field cast, the people that are on the field that may not be necessarily doing choreography, but are just there as like mega fans and to say it's for the experience. Mm -hmm. Regardless, it's 72 hours of your time that you're expected to donate for free. So uh, I guess I want to talk about this with you, Alex, but most importantly, I'm excited. Sorry, we're live together. So you're going to hear some squeaks from my dog Goose in the background. But most importantly, I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad we're not afraid to stand up for ourselves because this dancer mindset of, oh, I'll do whatever it takes and I'll get the job. And, uh, you know, I, do, I, I should just shut up and do my job is so outdated. And I feel like this is the first prime mainstream example of people speaking out about it. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, Taja does a really good job of gathering as much info as possible and really trying to get all the details. I follow them and I read those posts, you know, from beginning to end. And it's tough because I am someone who is very, very guilty of um, I try not to use I never for my own projects. Am I using someone and doing it for free uh, at this point? 
in my life. I think, you know, when we've done like Cirque Cabaret back in the day, like that was a big performance that we got to do and obviously didn't get paid for it, but it was still an amazing experience. And that was like a creative thing. So it's not that, but I think, I think I'm someone who's very guilty of being like, Oh, do whatever, like whatever you need, I'm there for it. Mm -hmm. And I've, I feel like that's an adjustment for me. That's just how, what I'm used to. And I do, but I do get outraged with things like this, especially with events like Super Bowl. And I think any event should have this, you know, same standard, but with Super Bowl, because there's so much money. Mm-hmm. It's the largest sporting the, event in, in North America, maybe the world. And like the people who are in commercials that air at that time get paid wonderful amounts of money, as they should. Mm-hmm. But the NFL players make so much money. NFL as like an organization has so much money. You get paid for sitting on a bench. And I, again, I'm not comparing like, Football players to dancers, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that no matter who's involved and who is putting the work in, they should be compensated, especially for a large amount of rehearsal time that would necessarily, most dancers are, uh, tend to be freelance. So if you are asking for a week and a half of nine to five rehearsals, those people are missing out of a week of work otherwise to do something free. And it's not necessarily an exposure thing because you are one of however many that usually need it to be like super filled. But, you know, I'm someone who really needs to be working on my, my mindset. Um, You know, a lot of times I won't, I won't do like if I have like a group piece idea for even just my own choreography that I want to do for fun. I I feel like I can't ask anyone unless I have like the funds to at least uh, be able to provide something for them for like a large amount of people. Coffee. Coffee, Yeah. Like (laughs) something, yeah, something as an alternative, but something as big as Super Bowl, I just feel like there really is no excuse, but it's tough because I can see where young dancers being 18, that would be such a fun experience. And I'm sure I would be going for that at 18 years old too. It's just different. Now at this point in our life, things are just, it's very, I would never do that. Right, right. No, and it's, I think you bring up a good point. The young mindset. And it's, you're so desperate and you're so hungry and you're kind of bred to expect this path of uphill battles and, you know, blood, sweat, tears. You have to want it. But it's up to the older, I say that with love, generation Seasoned. Yeah, seasoned, experienced to stand up and repave that path and remind younger dancers or maybe educate them for the first time that that we – you can't ask us to perform for free and then pay Eminem or the headliners. Thank you. I was just about to say that. Millions of dollars. And I'm not saying they're not deserving of it, but I know we're more deserving than an experience and exposure. I keep going to Zara and I'm like, can I pay for this sweater with exposure? And they're like, what? So (laughs) – it's just it's a reality check, but you can't fault younger dancers, and it's this it's the sad reality that you there will always be someone that is lesser experienced that will take the opportunity, and you can't blame them. Mm-hmm. You can't blame them. But what you can blame is the culture that we're necessarily involved or a part of writing for not clarifying that. I have to give a shout out to uh, one of the first movies that I did when I was 18. Um, there was a dancer, uh, Kiki Ellie. I believe I'm saying her last name right. Apologies if it's Ely. E-L-Y. She, I remember looking at her because she was very, she was seasoned. She was always on top of it. I'm there like a kid at Disney World. I'm like, oh, this is so fun. What am I doing? The craft services? You have mm-hmm. Nutella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember I had a conversation with her and she was like, are you writing down all your hours? 
Do you know, like, did you provide any of your mm-hmm. wardrobe? Do you, because I don't know, I was 18 and suddenly I'm thrust into this world of SAG and AFTRA and I remember being like, whoa, she's so right. And I'm so grateful for her. Um, I haven't had a chance to reconnect with her in the past like decade and change, but um, I think like for that, that's the example I'm saying is that she instilled in me that it's up to me to take responsibility of what I deserve as a dancer. 100. And I think on a broader scale, we all owe that as seasoned dancers to remind the younger generation that, Hey, you're not going to do this for free. There are instances, but like, come on, it's something as big as the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think the big, the big issue is the rehearsal leading up to it. Mm -hmm. The amount of rehearsal that's required. That is a large amount of work. And, and, and again, you're setting aside work, but yeah, you put that so, so lovely and it is it is really tough but i'm also open to having conversations so if i ever sound ignorant about uh what we're talking about and maybe i'm saying oh the nfl has so much money and they have money to spare so if i am ignorant about that i would love to like have more conversations with people about that so someone can really point that out to me but as an outside viewer and but us being in the dance industry and doing many a sporting event uh, like performing for the nights for the uh, like hockey game and mm-hmm. other things like that. There's no excuse in my opinion that the dancers can't be paid um, something, Minimum something wage. for yeah. real. Yeah. For all of that rehearsal time and that long day well, for sure. Like I like, and I, I remember doing Macy's Thanksgiving day parade, but that was a different thing. I was 16, 17 years old. And that was like to represent our high school mm-hmm. as captains and, that was a fun opportunity, but um, it's weird because like on reality shows like Vanderpump Rules, the babies can't be on camera. Like a lot of the a lot of the um, cast members have babies You're now. Not about to tell me the babies have more protection. <laughs> and, like- and the babies can't be on camera for longer than twenty minutes. So it's things like that that kind of put it into perspective. Where it's true in that SAG after a world or even reality TV show world where we have strict rules and there's also a schedule to follow. I feel like. You know, they really stick to that. Those babies are off for 20 minutes. And I feel like as dancers, we just fall into this trap of being so easy, easy to work with. We'll do whatever you want us to do. You want an aerial, you want a triple sow cow, probably not that, but you want anything like we'll give it to you and we're happy to do it because we like are excited for the experience. So well, and it's tough. I love what you said about have the conversation. I'm not saying uh, we're right. They're wrong. I, I will backtrack and say that. There's many sides to this story, uh, but the main thing is bringing light the issues and not being scared to represent and stand oh, up for yep, yourself. Exactly, exactly. So I'm interested to see how this all pans out in the next few weeks because uh, maybe we'll be like, oh, we were wrong and we completely misunderstood the information or, um, you know, we'll say we were right. But that I'm not here to be like, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm here to say, can we talk about this? And there's a long history of, I think, dancers having experienced myself being on set for film, for for theater, everything. It's always, oh, we need that set moved. Oh, get the dancers to do it. They'll do it. It's it's one of those things. And we're so uh, brainwashed to say, yes, okay. Whereas I, and this is no shade on actors. Um, In fact, I'm saying we should be more (laughs) like actors because actors are like, that's not my job. That's not my script. And and that's a blanket statement. But the, the, the big takeaway from this entire uh, issue is I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad we're not questioning our worth. I'm glad we're not scared to question our worth and to stand up because that's really what that's what unions are in place for. And that's what the 
this industry needs. Imagine any, hey, can you come in and do a business presentation? But it's going to be for free. Like, yeah. no, no other industry is this allowed and accepted. But because we're passionate about it, because we love it, and because we want to like mm-hmm. have an opportunity, we're scared to stand up in the event that will be replaced. So. And, and the more we talk about this too, the more, I mean, it's dancers rights as well as um, choreographers rights. Mm-hmm. And um, I know there's been chat about getting a copyright for choreography, which yeah. I think choreography, I say that so weird, which I think is something that is mind blowing that it's not already in place. But when you think about it in now I'm going sidetrack, but Track movies, away. movies and film, Sometimes that dance or that choreography that could be just movement directing finishes out a story. Like it completes. Well, think about how many like completes the. It's like a script. Uh, Thriller, the Dirty Dancing lift. Um, Like there's eggs. That's such a good example. Like even non-dancers are like, oh yeah, let's do this. And I'm not sure what to what extent copywriting it would do, but it's 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 legitimizing our work. Even making it a category at the Academy Awards would be there. There's there's a category for everything, as there should be. Category for costuming, cinematography, sound sound mixing, like as they should have their own category. But so should choreography and movement directing because that's such a big part of it too so this super bowl conversation is really great and we're going to continue talking about all the other aspects and i'm excited i actually was thinking about this earlier today i'm excited for us to be um at this time in our lives and Mm -hmm. hopefully be a part of of change and legitimizing uh our work and not worry about oh it's it should already be like that. It's like I don't need it's, to think of it. Think of it that way. Like we're a part of the change, and it's us, and, and it's yeah. up to us to have the conversations and utilize your platforms, aka a podcast, yes, uh, to just bring light to it. But again, Alex and I are no experts. We're just discussing the facts that we have. So please, I know every week we say write to us, but for real, our inbox, you guys. She's lonely. She's got some cobwebs. So if you have any thoughts, any insight, we would love to hear. Love to hear. So um, don't hesitate. Write to us. Inside Dance Podcast at gmail.com. Slide into our DMs. You know, all that good stuff. But let's talk about it because it deserves to be talked about. Your voices deserve to be heard. And that's the only way we're going to improve this industry. So, wow. Yeah, I know. I feel good. 15 minutes. Of- <laughs> Stand up for yourself. No, um, it's true. It's great. And I'm thrilled that we could chat about this yeah. i got like extra passion i think it's a charcuterie it is i think it's the folded that, yeah the cheese is really good um we'll stick around guys because like i said we have joshua blake carter coming up to share his story from small town georgia to tucson arizona <laughs> to taking opportunities Wait, that yeah. turned down. <laughs> like that's a good one uh like swipe or no swiping but swiping up opportunities left and right and really building his own path and career so you don't want to miss it and it's right around the corner Alex, we're in for a treat today. (laughs) I'm so excited. Do you know who's with us? Of course you do, but the listener doesn't. So, um, I don't know. Let's let's play a fun game of like mystery guest date, even though, again, also it's listed in the description bio, but... um, this certain individual is a really good friend of mine, um, another University of Arizona alumnus, um, a fellow Southerner, a Georgia boy, who actually we grew up right around the street from each other um, and didn't know it till later in life, but an incredible choreographer, 
dancer for Giordano. Um, he then went on to direct G2, um, their second company, and I'm so excited to have him on today. Um, I said it was going to be a guessing game, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys. <laughs> Listener, please join me in welcoming the incredible Joshua Blake Carter to our podcast. Hello, Joshua. Hello. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. And I actually, I think I may have met you once, but I'm not totally positive that we've actually met before. Like, I but I've I always, I know who you are. Like, I've right. heard about know, you when forever. When we were in Vegas teaching a workshop, I know Richard Havey tried to connect us. Yes. Um, the project you've been working on. And I think the project had just ended. And so then we were going to try to see love, but I think love was maybe even sold out the week when we were there. And yeah. So we didn't get to connect, but we connected kind of to make that connection exactly <laughs> and that's our dance world for you everybody well and yeah. i'm over here like playing matchmaker because i'm like what do you mean you guys don't know each other you should you're both incredible choreographers fantastic teachers you both have such like high vibrating energy that i'm really excited for you guys to be meeting right now because yeah. i know that's going to translate so well um into our time together today but um joshua where you're coming at us from the not so hot city of I mean, hot in theory, but freezing cold city of Chicago. Is that correct? Uh, it is. Yeah, we're actually experiencing quite tropical temperatures today. It's about 28 <laughs> degrees. Ah, oh a balmy 28. Yes, yes, uh, indeed. I do- I, and I, I want to touch on this later, but like you get double dancer points if you love dance so much that you live in a city that is cold on public transportation and then you got to do a plie like after stripping your nine layers of Patagonia parkas. So um, yeah, big, big props to anyone that can, can you tell I've lived in the desert this long? I'm just like, ooh, cold. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, enough about me. I want to hear all about you. So let's take it from the top here. Um, I, I, I spoiler alerted it and failed uh, and said that you're from Georgia. So we know that you're from Georgia, but um, let's dive more into that and how you got into dancing. Um, well, as you said, um, yep, right from the metro Atlanta area. Um, you know, it's like I always tell people I'm from Atlanta, but yep. you know, like, there, 100%. But, um, the um, but I went to performing arts school um, in Mabel's in Georgia called Pebblebrook High School. And uh, I went for theater. I had never planned to dance, I had not ever taken a dance class. And they were like, well, if you want to be in the musicals, you need to learn how to dance. The musicals. Yeah, exactly. And it was, I mean, they're really well known for their musical theater output. I mean, the number of people they have on Broadway and national tours and things like that. So I went home and I was like, dad, like thinking, of course, here I am in this, you know, a really conservative uh, Southern home uh, that I was not going to be received with the answer that I got. But I'm like, mom, dad, like, I want to take dance class. And my dad was like, okay, let's sign you up. Like, no discussion about it. No, like, I, I was really prepared with, like, a, a whole case for it. You had a PowerPoint. Yes. There were counter arguments involved. Yeah. Exactly. I had the diagrams. <laughs> and um, so I started taking class uh, at the Georgia Ballet um, while I was majoring in theater at the um, – at the high school and then started to take dance at the high school my second semester and then um the second year i completely dropped theater altogether and focused on dance um and i've never looked back 
So, and from there, I went to um, University of Arizona, where we all yes. um, got our, our degrees from. That's amazing. Do you remember what show or plays, I guess, you did or works uh, when you were in school that first year? Oh, yes. Well, so I auditioned, going to a dance audition, like when you've never auditioned for anything in your life, um, was really um, quite awful and intimidating. And um, so... We, uh, the first thing I auditioned for, I don't remember what the one act was that year, but we did Footloose my freshman year. And I remember the audition being quite challenging for somebody who was like, did not really know their right from their left yet. And, um, and they very much like, I mean, I remember a girl crying in the back of the room and the choreographer asking her to leave, like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the, wait, first, okay, now let me, I'm putting myself back in your shoes. You said it was like an amazing performing <laughs> arts school. So like, I'm sure the standards were so high. Whereas I'm thinking when I did try school theater and like, for me, it was switched. For me, I was like, yes, dance audition, like the singing, I was like crying. But I can't imagine at tri school theater be, someone being like, stop crying. Like that would never happen. <laughs> Uh, it was like if you talked in the audition, you were asked to leave. I mean, it was very and like these wow. the best, like you know singers and dancers in the county. That's and uh, so I remember it was it was quite scary. And I was cast in Footloose as a um, choral ensemble member. So I was not given any steps in the first show that I did. <laughs> we did actually the next year. The um, the Civic Center, the Cobb County Civic Center, had us do Footloose as part of their season. And I was given a dance role because I had progressed far enough, you know, in 18 months that they thought I could handle, you know, some dancing. But uh, yeah, no, we also did Copacabana that first year. I think. Oh, fun. Yeah. Again, another time I was not given a dance role. In, <laughs> in, in, in two incredibly dance heavy productions. <laughs> Wait, this is wild to me that like you dove into it even deeper. Like you said, your second year of high school and then like got into University of Arizona. Like that is such a wild story. You do not hear that often. And like you must have just been working so, so hard because to progress in that small amount of time is wild. Well, I think too, like, you know, growing up as a boy in the South, like you're like given let's play baseball, let's play basketball, let's yeah. play any sport you can to, mm-hmm. like, be, you know, uh, a guy, you know? And I didn't like any of them. Like, I hated them. I sat in the outfield playing t-ball, picking the clovers. Like, that was me not, you know, actually wanting to have anything to do with the game. And so I think it was partly I found it something that I cared about, you know? I think um, a lot, a lot of it for... For me, at least, um, and I think maybe it's a southern thing, maybe it's a male dancer thing, but it was community. Like it was that sports were so big in the south that it was like you're going to do football because all the other boys are doing football, and I want you to have a community of people that you can relate to. And that was just kind of like the blaze trail. Whereas it was like, Oh, if you're going into dance, I don't know if you're going to have that same community, which then in reality, it's, it's ironic because I was so close with all the girls, um, a a couple of the other male dancers. Um, but yeah, it it warms my heart so much that your dad didn't even skip a beat and was like, 
Great. Yeah. We're going, we're going to do it. And that's, I can, I'm grateful that my dad was the same way. He was very like, cool, you're doing it. Well, you're going to be, we are investing. You're going to do this. You're going to leap so high. You're going to do all the fute turns. And that they're like, <laughs> so, and I was like, dad, he built the props. So like, yes. it's, it, yes. it's, we're lucky. Dance dads, shout out to any dance dad out there because it really does. It makes a huge difference. And, um, the support that you feel for, cause it's uncharted for you, but it's also uncharted for us. So yeah, um, yeah big love and to support. Being in that, that Southern community. And I, I can't even imagine all the challenges that came with that, but do you feel like, what was your experience because you were at a performing arts school? What was the experience of kind of switching gears? Like what did the theater uh, people think was it drama about, was like, it turf like, wars oh, he's, he's going to be a dancer Traitor. like yeah actually I think that they were like a little relieved because I was really like <laughs> Chekhov and about you know the Meisner you know any of the I Meisner think. stuff like yeah all of those different things that you had to take as a you know as a freshman to educate yourself about theater history and the the, the way that they, they trained the now they had an amazing you know, program for theater. It just wasn't, I was not, it was not resonating with me. I, I wanted to be an actor. I didn't want to have to learn all these other things. So I think that uh, they were not, I think they were relieved in the way of, they were like, oh, this is a much better fit for him. <laughs> uh, but I will say when I graduated going and I was going to U of A, they shared with me that they were a little worried when I was a freshman. They were like, we weren't really sure you were going to be able to do anything. <laughs> And, you know, you just, here you are, you've come to the other side and going to this, this great school. And so. That's yeah. the magic of U of A as well. Like they. Our unofficial not sponsor, but we just <laughs> continue no, to they, build them up because they made such a big impact in our lives and connect us to such amazing people like yourself. Yeah. And I feel like they always did a good job of kind of putting, this is probably going to sound so negative, putting a little bit of comes. a sense of, of, we might be a little worried, but for you, but we're going to make you an amazing dancer. And Humility. That psychology that makes you think, okay, I'm going to work 10 times harder just to even get on the level, like higher than the level you're putting me on. And it's like a really, they do it in like a, for a lot, for my experience, like a healthy way. And then at the end of it, you're so immersed and feeling like you really accomplished something and you're so much better i feel like they do a really really good job of that absolutely and i think too that um having i i always found benefit well i look at it now as a benefit at the time i didn't know it was a benefit of being the least experienced a lot of times the least um talented in the room because it also pushed me i always had people to look at i mean at my high school there were um you know there were 30 other men in the room like that's a ton you know um, and high school dance. And then you go into University of Arizona, who also has a huge um, uh, male population in their program. And I always had somebody to look up to or to aspire to because, yes. you know, you can learn you can learn everything from a teacher, but it's watching someone else move and dance that like really, I think, changed Change. me. Oh, yeah. I fully, fully agree with you. Like I, and it's, yeah, it's a great environment to take from your peers. And that, yeah. that was, it's just that whole package. Okay. I'm so glad we, <laughs> bear down Arizona. Yeah. That, that, little, that little spiel out there. <laughs> Honestly, we need to do a business pitch to like the, the president of the university, <laughs> mostly just for free merchandise. What? Okay. Um, 
Joshua, I would love to know. So we have had some phenomenal um, concert dance artists on our podcast in the past. Uh, Miguel Perez, Hannah Brixton, Owen Scarlett, um, uh, Stephanie Martinez, a lot of um, people that have shed a lot of light on that aspect of the industry. And I say that because when I was... uh, High school, college, I didn't really know much about it. I just knew it was like LA and music videos and whatever, the uncharted territory of the dance world. But I'm thrilled to have you on today because we get to discuss about something I know you're so passionate about, and that is Giordano Dance Chicago. Um, And so I would love it if you educate the, I have no idea, I've never heard what this is, listener about what Giordano's is, kind of where it came from. Absolutely. Well, I agree with you. I really didn't know about concert dance growing up either. It wasn't until going to U of A to audition for the school that they were doing um, a Sherry Zunker piece that had been originally done at River North. And I'm like, what is this? You know, like that was kind of like the selling point for me. Um, And because I too thought it was LA or New York and I was going to be on Broadway or in a commercial. And so, um, Giordano Dance Chicago is founded by Gus Giordano, um, who uh, is considered a, an American jazz dance pioneer. Um, by no means is he the first to come, you know, uh, the first coming of, it, of anything, um, because as we all know, jazz is derivative from African dance and all of these other things that, that feed into that. But he took them um, and he created a, the first really codified technique, uh, which is the Giordano technique. Um, and 10 years after creating a school, he uh, developed a company, Gus Giordano's Jazz Dance Chicago. And he led the company until the late 80s, uh, I would say. I'm trying to remember exactly. I should know my dates better. And then his daughter, uh, Nan Giordano, took over. And they worked kind of side by side for, for a long time until, uh, you know, he was really not coming to the studio anymore. Um, and she's still the director of the company. And the the what we try to do with Giordano is not only preserve the legacy of where jazz came from. So really, you know, not only our works, but educating people about just the history of jazz in general, but then what does it mean to, what does jazz look like now? Because it is not, um, you know, everybody thinks, you know, I tell them I dance for a jazz company and they, everybody wants to give you a jazz hand, you know, their version of a jazz hand. A lot jazz of hand, or they're like, New Orleans, jazz music, Louisiana, everything is big band. Like A decade ago, we took, the, we took jazz out of our name and just became Giordano, uh, Giordano Dance Chicago because so often it was hard for presenters to market us because people thought that's exactly what they were coming to see. It was like jazz music, all jazz music, and like a jazz festival, right? They right. thought they were coming to a jazz music festival that had dance associated with it. Um, and, you know, we really love to show people the, the, the breadth of what jazz is. So not only are you going to come to our show and see, you know, maybe Gus Giordano's Sing, Sing, Sing from 1983, but you're going to see a Peter Chu work that is, you know, uh, to a very, you know, ambiance type music and the men are in long dresses and the women are in like pants suits. And, you know, it's just like we have, but it's still jazz, right? It still mm-hmm. has that, those things that make it jazz, that groundedness, the weightedness, the, the contractions, you know, there's, even when you go to see a ballet company, there's elements of what anymore in contemporary dance, right? Of jazz, you know, that you really 
benefit from if you took jazz growing up. So um, all encompassing, that's what we are. We're trying to educate people about what jazz, where it came from, where it is now, but also pushing the boundaries of where it's going to go. I just got chills because if, if you've listened to any of our podcast listener, then you know that Alex and I are like jazz junkies and it really is what resonated with us to kind of launch our dance career. And so it makes me so happy to hear of kind of like the mission statement of Giordano's because it's so, so important. You can do the coolest moves in the world, but if you don't know where the moves came from, you don't know, understand, if you don't understand the why behind the what of what you're doing, then it's just, it's, it's, it's so superficial. But if you can get into that deeper level of movement, both literally like deep contraction, deep plie, we love her, but also the, the history behind it. It's so much more for me in my head. Yeah. Meaningful, full spectrum. Um, and I, I think that's so important. So what was your um, what was your experience getting into the company? Um, or if you can kind of discuss a little bit, I know I mentioned that there's a main company, a second company, um, kind of the format or the structure of how the company runs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, my life has been very much um, like blessed in the way that I've connected with people. My high school jazz teacher had, uh, she got her master's at U of A but she was also a Giordano two dancer. And so, but not knowing that second part, just knowing that she is the one that kind of directed me to U of A. Well then U of A, when I, uh, when I was there, I think when both of you were there, maybe you didn't have Susan, but um, you know, I had Michael and Susan and Sam all from Giordano. They all danced at Giordano. So um, there was this connection to go to Chicago. There was either, they would give out a, jazz mass scholarships to go to mm-hmm. uh, the Giordano summer program or to go to the river north summer program and so my freshman year i was given nothing which was fine i auditioned but got nothing <laughs> and someone was not able to use their scholarship to go to Giordano. and i asked what I yeah and so i asked if i could take it <laughs> josh was just like are you gonna eat that okay i'll take it thanks <laughs> this is so good but you well, like ask and you shall receive. If you don't ask, you will not get it. Okay. <laughs> I was just like gone unused, you know, like nobody would have used it. So I asked if I could go. And at the time you didn't have to do the full summer. So I just did two weeks. And um, I was also experimenting with like my look back then. So I had um, black hair and yes. with a big red stripe in it. And because uh, that was hot, that was trendy, that, that was, was edgy, amazing. that was yeah. chunky, choppy bangs in LA and combat yeah. boots and big scarves. Why? Why did we do that? <laughs> I got about every few weeks getting my hair done when I was at U of A. When you think you're having a good day, and then you think back to your headshots from 2005, and you're like, oh god. <laughs> Any picture of me from like 2005 to 2008, and it's either like horrifying or like. Oh, okay. I pulled, I pulled that off that day. <laughs> or it's back in style now. You're like, oh, that's trendy. Where's that shirt? <laughs> also, I I loved that you said you were experimenting with your look. Like, I love just that phrase is honest, but like a really good way of saying, hey, I was trying things out. Like, I was being brave. I think that's amazing. <laughs> well, and I think so much in college you do that, right? Like, it's like the time that like you're the one making your own decisions for really for the first time for most people. And, you know, mom and dad aren't there to 
judge your, you know, <laughs> your yeah. choice. So. Honestly, I was experimenting with my meals. I was not experimenting with my hair. <laughs> I probably should have experienced with it. It's your 30-day free trial of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mine lasted two and a half, three years. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Michael Gross. I don't know if you guys know Mike Gross, but he, yes. I called him over and shaved my head. And I, then I shaved my head for like a good eight years after that. And he used to still cut my hair in Chicago. I'd go over to his house and he'd cut my hair. And um, so when I started seeing the barber again, I was like, this is ridiculous. People pay for this. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I showed up to Giordano the first day of that scholarship with the red hair and the red Yumiko unitard because those were also really big in college. Fierce. Yumiko, that's a name I haven't heard in so long. And then Giordano looked at me and was like, who are you? And I was like, <laughs> That's why I'm, you know, I like, I'm like so nervous. And, you know, to this day, she laughs about it because she kind of like wrote me off. She was like, ah, this is not, this kid is not for us. And I will make a plug for this right now that like, when you are looking to get a job somewhere, and again, I was just 19, 20 at this point, right? So I wasn't really thinking, oh, this could be future planning. But, you know, you always want to like, you're not going to go to a commercial audition in LA in a black leotard, black tights, you know, but you're also not going to come to a Giordano audition in a flannel and ripped jeans. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I didn't really know what I was getting into. I thought I was just showing up to be me that day. And um, so two years later, uh, it was between sophomore and, uh, sorry, between junior and senior year, same thing happened. Not given a scholarship, somebody couldn't go. And I went to the... <laughs> to the faculty at U of A. And I said, well, can I take it? I heard so-and-so can't go. And um, Josh, the underground scholar scholarship, like redistributor of like, how much you want for that? I'll barter it. You want Chipotle? What do you like? Carne asada? Okay. Thanks. For two months that year. And um, I swear to you, it's the reason I'm like where I am today. That like solidified. So from there, like, I spent two months. Then um, I auditioned for the company and got into the second company upon graduating from college. I spent a year in the second company wow. and uh, in the main company for seven years. So it was really just like this, like, I, I can't imagine had I not said, oh, can I go and use this scholarship? Because I would have been walking into that audition as a senior, you know, without any connection. You know, it's really important, I think, when you're able to, to make those connections because it can be the difference of you getting a job and not simply because somebody knows they already know that they want to work with you You know like i don't know i've I've seen it happen where we see better dancers but we know the work ethic of the one that's we're considering against this better dancer right Right. and you're like well i know we want to work with this person we can mold them i don't know about this person exactly like it's a lot easier to mold someone and and improve their feet or their confidence or their core or whatever it is if they want it it's easy to mold them and tell and like because you can present this is the correct way to do it or this is the way we want it but when someone has a bad attitude and you're over 18 and you still have that bad attitude then it's almost a personality trait and a characteristic about you and that's a lot harder to change and mold than something that's more tangible and physical, like movement and technique. I mean, obviously you have to want it, but that's amazing. And you bring up, I want Joshua Blake Carter energy. Like I want to just be like, yeah. hey, this person can't go. Can we not waste this? And like, that is so freaking important. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us because we talk about on the podcast a lot about 
how sometimes people just need the opportunity. And we talk with many dancers, their teachers just really believed in them and gave them the opportunity that led them to X, Y, and Z. And you're describing that perfectly. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that about Giordano. Uh, it's really something that's part of the organizational fabric is, is really giving people a chance and giving them an opportunity. And, you know, a great example of that is this year, uh, this season, we hired um, like seven or eight new dancers, which is really unheard of for us. Normally it's two or three each year mm-hmm. that are, that are Giordano two dancers. Um, and this year it was, we only had six returning dancers, period. So that meant that we had four vacancies in the main company. And also then we had a second company with no one in it. So we were like, what do we, what do we do? And we, we've decided this year that we've really been referring to everybody as the ensemble because everybody's been performing yeah. and it's been this really unique opportunity that we've never seen before because of COVID is that everybody's gotten a chance to dance, to perform, to be in works, to share the stage. And, you know, ultimately like to be a performer, you need that, the chance to perform. Right. So right. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's presented itself because and to answer Taylor's previous question, the difference between the main and the second company and, um, you know, we usually always hire into the main company from the second company. And um, the second company, when I joined, was an unpaid position. It was very much like an internship. And, um, you know, there were five of us and um, there were very few limited performance opportunities now. So Autumn Ekman took it over uh, for a while. And then when she became our rehearsal director, I was still dancing in the company. I took over directing the second company. So I was dancing and directing at the same time, but I took over what the, the foundation that Autumn had put into place for this second company that had existed for a long time, but it, it had so much more potential. Um, and so now the second company performs at several festivals throughout the year. We brought back um, Giordano on Giordano, which is, uh, again, another opportunity thing that we do that the main company gets to choreograph on the second company. Um, but it's a fully produced show. So it's not like you're, you know, going to a works in progress showing they're getting to create work, put it on these really amazing dancers and then put it, uh, you know, fully produce it on stage. Um, and I will say too, our second company now is paid and they're paid well. Um, you know, it's not like a, um, a small stipend is what I'm saying. I, I shouldn't say, well, it's not like they're, you know, they're going to retire, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> From going with, you know, 13 years ago when there, nobody was getting paid in second companies. Now, um, you know, everyone um, gets, a, gets a salary. It's, it's really That's great. beautiful. Yeah. And it can be uh, yeah. a seamless, not supply chain, but a seamless transition for people moving up in the company too. And then everybody's on the same page and, knows the DNA of the company. And so you can keep growing that. So it just feels a little bit more seamless. I think well, the last no, one I, oh, so sorry. No, you, go no, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say in any job, you know, you're investing as a person in the people hiring you. So it's nice to feel when they invest in you. And I think that's something the second company shows. That's something that's great about our second company is we see that investment put in from the, the employee side, but then we can really invest in those people too, so that they are ready to move up into the main. Yeah, and then I think too them having a salary. I mean, that even shows more, right? That we invest in you. We we care about you. We want you to be here. Because um, I just I know that was the old formula for many uh, companies was that a second company or an apprenticeship was an unpaid thing. So yeah. Anyway, that was my 
tag on. <laughs> it was amazing. I uh, was going to say that I, I think the last time I saw Giordano perform was at Jazz World Congress uh, at um, Point Park, yeah. but this was in 2012. Yeah. And I think the piece was, it had strings and cans. Yes, Jolt. Yes. Yeah, I, it's, I, was- I remember it very well. I couldn't remember the title, but I remembered because it's so, when you're young and you go to a show and like, I wasn't reading the program. I just was like, oh my God, Giordano, we know so much about this from U of A. And I just kind of sat and enjoyed. And that was over a decade ago. And I remember, I remember it really well. And it was amazing. It was so good. I love that you were there. Were you were you performing with um, Jared? Uh-huh. I was in Jared's piece and he uh, won, ended up winning that year. <laughs> and he won. That's the end and of the statement. No, <laughs> Period. No, I'm, not, I'm just, I'm like smiling because we had the best time on that trip. It was so much fun. And Odyssey Dance Theater was also there. And it's crazy because one of my best friends now, we work together at Love, um, he was dancing for Odyssey and we were in Ray Leaper's class together, but we didn't know each other at that time. And it's crazy how like, I ended up meeting him later and we became good friends. But Is this Russell? Russell, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) That Jazz World Congress thing was, it was the best weekend and Jared's piece was so beautiful and I will still go back and watch the video and I'm like, Jared... This is so good. And it like stands the test of time, which I feel like also ties into Giordano because Giordano's pieces do like, no matter if it's classic or more, or a current version of a piece, it all stands the test of time as all still the technique. It's all still, you know, the DNA. That's the second time I've said DNA, but. (laughs) (laughs) I think you, you said it so well when you say the thing that comes to mind when I think of Giordano is timeless. It is a classic. It's a classic look. It's a classic line. It's a classic um, uh, foundation of dance. Um, you know, I and for anyone that isn't familiar, I encourage you get on social media, get on YouTube, look up things, educate yourself, um, and know what's out there. Both opportunities for employment, but also just to be in the know of if dance is something that you want to get into, especially if jazz dance is something that you're wanting to focus in and make in your career. It's like, I feel like a non-negotiable, it's in the starter pack of like, you have to know uh, or be familiar with, with what Giordano is and what they look like. So um, do your homework. That's your assignment due tomorrow by 1159. No, but, but I do want to ask, um, pivoting slightly from Giordano and kind of uh, looking at Chicago as a whole, Joshua, what would you say is um, if someone's looking to move to Chicago to pursue dance with a company or to pursue maybe, I don't know, commercial, I know there's actually a a pretty big regional theater scene there as well. What is some advice that you have? Um, What is, I'm going to say starter pack again, just because I like that word and that idea, but the starter pack of things that you need in moving to Chicago. Well, I think in, in moving anywhere or looking to pursue a career anywhere, right, is to first really do the, the homework, you know, like really find out what's there. Um, I mean, used to Chicago when I moved here had um, many more dance companies than it does now, unfortunately. Um, you know, we've seen um, a handful of companies close over the last decade. Um, and so now more than ever, I think that research um, 
proponent of it is, uh, is that a word? Component? Component. Uh, component. I think proponent is when you're like for something, but component. Right. Okay, we'll just you. say ponent. <laughs> so yeah. the ponent is. <laughs> Come on. That's the Georgia coming out. We're like, so the ponent of this is. <laughs> um, it is, uh, yeah. So that the component of doing your homework is like more important than ever just because you don't want to go somewhere and there not be work for you to do. Now, that being said, there's plenty of work here to do. Um, you know, we've got Hubbard Street Dance Chicago. We've got uh, Giordano Dance Chicago, of course. We've got Joffrey Ballet. And then there's like at least 50 smaller companies that are, um, and smaller I mean in budget size. I don't even mean that necessarily in, in the work they produce or the, um, you know, the weight that they carry, just smaller in budget size. Um, and so there is a lot to do here. Uh, it's just what do you want to do, you know? And as you mentioned, there is that great, there is a great regional theater scene here. Um, I worked out at the Paramount Theater, which is one of our equity theaters here, um, and choreographed Newsies for them a few years ago, and realized in talking to a lot of these equity actors that had gone to New York and, you know, couldn't even get in the room. And, mm -hmm. or couldn't get, um, because they were not equity yet, they were young. And um, so they were at all these open, non-active calls. And, you know, I, you know, experience after experience of not getting work. And Chicago, they have that opportunity. And they work a lot. And a lot of them have just ended up staying. And, you know, I think some of the people I spoke with were, um, had the idea, oh, I'll come to Chicago, I'll work, I'll get my equity card, and then I can go back to New York. And a lot of them, um, has stayed because they work consistently. You know, a lot of these theaters yeah. that put on three or four musicals a year, you know, they're they're hiring these, these actors uh, again and again. Um, so it's really nice in in that way that there is that work as well. Um, and then we also have a pretty nice um, like film industry here. We have a, a film lot on the west side of town where I know they film um, The Big Leap. I was like, what is that show called? They filmed The Big Leap there. Um, but they film a whole handful of other things, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, you know, Easy. Yeah. Have so. you ever watched Easy? Easy's all, all, oh. it's on Netflix. Every single episode is like a different storyline, so, but the characters are slightly connected, but all in Chicago. Oh, very cool. Really, really great shots of the city too, but it's really, it's so good. Yeah, it's called Easy. It's really, really great. Yeah. Well, and then they, um, they film a lot of those Batman movies here because they use Chicago as Gotham City and uh, actually the place I used to live that's like a mile um, west of where I'm at now is right by the uh, an above ground train station and they actually would change the signs over to say Gotham and all. I mean it was really cool to like, that's so cool like, see all these film trucks and um, the diner I used to live next door to is where they did the b-roll for Shameless and so there's a no lot way of, yeah yeah so it's there's a lot of really um, a lot of opportunity here, but again, it's doing that homework, knowing what that opportunity is, because um, it is a nice, tight-knit community here. And meaning, you know, if I have an opportunity and I need dancers, I know, like, I'm gonna, I know who I'm gonna call, right? I know mm -hmm. my people I'm gonna call. Um, so I'm not saying it's hard to break into it, but it's definitely like you want to make sure you know some people, or you know. I, it's just always helpful. And I'm sure you maybe you can speak to that in Vegas too, that there's probably some similarities that it's, it's helpful to know people to create those first uh, intros and getting you in the door places 
you know, um, so and again, that's all about connect about your reputation and connection. You don't want to have a bad one because then nobody's going to help open those doors for you. So true. Um, I want to know, uh, what's been one of your proudest moments, like in your time in Chicago or in your dance career in general that you can speak to, especially with all the experience you've had? Um, you know, I have done, I mean, I've always, I always thought I was going to be a choreographer and like, I really didn't think I would have danced as long as I did. Um, I, I really just wanted to make dance. Um, and I will say, you know, joining Giordano and performing and doing that rep and touring the world, um, really, um, like made me fall in love with dance all over again. Um, not that I ever fell out of it, but you know, sometimes you need to be reminded, um, about how beautiful what we get to do is but uh my biggest i feel like the biggest thing that i celebrate are some of those choreographic opportunities that i've gotten to have which include choreographing on on giordano you know now i have of course giordano too i I work with them uh very intimately and have done uh eight or nine works for the second company but now i'm about to premiere in april um my third work for the main company so congratulations uh, Thank you. That's that's something that I'm really, really proud of. And then um, when I choreographed Newsies for the Paramount Theater, that was another big, I always wanted to get back into musical theater. As we discussed, that's really where the whole reason I started dancing. <laughs> um, so to, to work in that really professional arena of a, an equity theater with really talented actors and dancers and um, was a really big win for me. Um, so that those are the things that I really celebrated those um, those times when I get to get out of my things out of my head and put it on the stage and, and see them come to life. I love that. That's yeah. I got chills again. It's very chilly. <laughs> Lots of chills up in this interview, Joshua. Well, I want to end on my favorite question that I love to ask our guests and, um, which I, knowing you as a friend and, um, just knowing your positive, funny outlook on life, I'm sure there's going to be a handful to choose from, but, Enlighten us. One of your funniest, most embarrassing moments on stage or really just ever in dance that uh, you look back on and makes you smile or maybe cringe a little or both. Oh my God. The one I always go to is we were doing this piece uh, called Feeling Good Sweet that Ray Liefer choreographed. And um, it is a very sexy, sensual ode to Broadway jazz. The women are in corsets and fishnets and the men are in uh, black pants and purple shirts with suspenders and um, fedoras. And um, so that's the first section. And the second section, the women put on the hats and the men, we lose our shirts and we're just now and we're uh, we're in a tank top with our dress pants. And then the last section, we all put on blazers and you have about 20 seconds to go off stage and throw on your blazer. And this particular season, we had done the work so many times and even though the costumes of course get cleaned you know suit jackets are not meant to be sweated in the way that Mm -hmm. say it louder for people in the back that's like oh my god lululemon are you listening someone with a four-way stretch moisture wicking like really it's actually like such an issue sorry i because they need to make more like regular dance clothes because there's so many times where people are like, I want you to be a dancer, but not look like one. It's like, okay, well, I can't really sweat in my leather (laughs) bodysuit. So let's make one that, (laughs) yeah, it sucks. Well, and we still haven't figured out a way around this issue that I'm about to describe to you. I went to (laughs) my hand 
into the jacket and my lining ripped away from the actual sleeve. See ya. And my went into between. So I was between the fabric and the lining. And that's a fierce name for a piece. I just want to throw it out there. Continue. Yes. Take note. I'm going to write that down. Uh, uh, So, so of course I'm seeing everybody else go on stage and I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. What's happening? What's happening? Okay. So I tried to get, take it off, put it back on. And I'm like, all right, I'm going on with one hand. So I had, because I thought it'll look less noticeable for me to have one hand than it will. If I look, if I have no jacket on. And, uh, so I go out there and I do the entire last section with one hand and I'm talking like, so my, uh, so the one hand is like in a fist inside of the jacket. The other hand is doing the expressive, like affected jazz hands that were choreographed by Ray. And every time I would go off stage, which was not many, it would, it would be pandemonium. Someone trying to come <laughs> out of this jacket. And then I would be like, okay, we don't have time. I got to go back on. And so Previously in that year, I had torn the cartilage in my wrist. So meanwhile, Nan is in the audience thinking my wrist is injured again because I my, she can't see my hand. And um, finally, I go off. I have ten seconds off stage, and they got a little little nick in the uh, in the lining, and I just ripped it. Got my hand out and went out for the last moment. <laughs> it's it's a magic trick. trick. I have a hand. Reveal. And uh, yeah, it was it was really really special because that piece also there was a time when we were in Israel and somebody forgot their jacket for the quick change so the men all decided besides me because I was on the other side of the stage (laughs) and I go on with a jacket and of course who gets the note I get the note they're like why did you wear your jacket I'm like because it's part of the costume how did I supposed to know that that people were going to make this unanimous choice and not include me so (laughs) All of my uh, onstage mishaps tend to be connected to uh, the suit jackets and feeling good sweet. <laughs> That's amazing. Anytime you go to a wedding, you get PTSD. You're just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I choreographed a whole, the piece that the company dances of mine right now, the men and the women all wear jackets and use them as props, like use them as bolero capes, like all of this stuff. And they still say to me, well, what were you thinking? Like, you know how hard these jackets are and you wanted to use them as a prop. And I'm like, sorry? <laughs> Like, I don't know what to say, but, uh, yeah, we cut the I line. I love it. But they don't, uh, it doesn't, still doesn't always prevent from any bad issues, you know? That's so, so funny. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. That was amazing. <laughs> we love, we love wardrobe, wardrobe, uh, malfunctions. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. At least, you know, it's not like I've had, I've seen, you know, some of my girlfriends, you know, their halter class come undone on stage or, you know. You can get to wear shorts under your dress. Suddenly it's an adult themed show. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, burlesque. There we go. (laughs) Joshua, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Um, You're just such a light. Um, I know both from your time in any community, your time at the University of Arizona. Um, I know you have a fabulous reputation that precedes you in the Chicago dance community. And um, I'm just so constantly inspired by seeing what you're doing, seeing what you're up to. Um, and grateful that we could get you on today to share all of that wisdom and inspiration with our followers today. But to wrap things up, um, what even though we could sit here and chit chat for hours, I feel like what is the best way to stay up to date with you, whether that be social media or if you have a website, where can our friends find you? Yeah, Instagram is where I is where I post everything and everything lives, um, which is at JBC Choreography. Um, so anything I'm doing is is there on Instagram. 
Um, you can also really find um, find the company really easily through my page, um, uh, which is at Giordano Dance Chicago, um, which I will say, be clear that you're looking for the one with the rest, the red S curve, because there are, there is another Giordano organization that is not ours. Um, so um, just if you're looking for me and looking for <laughs> dance company, look for the red S curve. Red um, S curve. Yeah, stay with us on Insta. Yes. Thank you so much. This was seriously so much fun and glad I finally got to sit down and speak with you and I'm sure our, our paths will cross soon. Yeah, I hope so. This was awesome. Thank you both. Beautiful. Awesome. Joshua, stay well, and we hope to see you again sometime soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you.